0: Here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Welcome, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. And I'm going to open the show. Uh, Michelle will be joining us uh, in a few minutes. Thank you to everybody who's joining us live, as usual. And certainly thank you to everybody who, uh, who is listening to this on replays. We have a great show for you today. Uh, Just as a a lead in, we're going to be talking about sports psychology and creating that winning mindset. And the the things that Michelle and I actually specialize in when we work with one on one Coaching clients. So we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, What I would like to do at the very beginning here, as uh, Michelle and I usually do, is kind of do a recap of some of the things that we've been seeing over the last week with some of our clients uh, and talk to you about that. And I can tell you that from my perspective, one of the big things that I am starting to see more and more of as we start to move into that light at the end of the tunnel approach to the world, uh, that a recovery is coming, by the way, uh, that we are going to stop being alone and start being part of the bigger world again, is uh, what I call an imposter syndrome. And I think uh, everybody has experienced that, and it actually ties in directly with this uh, sports psychology mindset that Michelle and I will be chatting about uh, in a few moments. And you know, one of the things that I notice uh, about an imposter syndrome uh, is that it usually comes from people who aren't imposters. Uh, and so, you know, one one of the things that I'd like you to start exploring, uh, and this is what I'm actually been doing with some of my clients, is getting them to recognize what's real and what's not when they start feeling like an imposter. And I know that Michelle, uh, you experience this. You and I both experience it because we talk about it, but we also uh, experience it with our clients. And some of the signs that you can look for, if you don't think that you've ever experienced an imposter syndrome, ask yourself, do you feel like you got lucky? Do you feel like, oh, you know, things are happening to me rather than you uh, taking active participation in them? Um, Do you find it hard to accept praise? You know, when someone tells you, that you're good at what you're doing. Uh, I just did this with a client, by the way. I said, tell me the top three things that someone needs to know about what you offer for your services. They couldn't do it. And Mm. and then one of the things that I also love to do, and uh, I'm not gonna put anybody on the spot who's here live, is I love to ask somebody, what is your superpower? (laughs) What What is the one thing you know you are the best at in the entire world? And I, and, and again, I'm finding people are challenged uh when they have this hidden imposter syndrome, this little mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. that sits on the, on their shoulder, right. That says uh, uh, I'm afraid. And I, I point out to them, by the way, there's a difference between fear and humility. Mm-hmm. We want you to be humble. You know, Does Tim McGraw be humble and I can't, I can't think of the rest of it, Um, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's, be, be humble. And there's a difference between that and actually using your humility or this imposter syndrome to replace or address fear. And so uh, I, I get that you think you might not be enough in certain situations. I promise you that you are. And so my little tip for today uh, that I've been experiencing with, with people is number one, real, realize that you're not alone. There are lots of people as we move into a recovery phase who are saying, oh, my God, I've been locked down for a year or we've been operating this way for so long. And now this new normal, which is what I will call it, um, this new normal is happening. I'm not good enough to meet that or. I've even had the ageism things by the way pop up where people have told me I'm too old to learn technology I'm too old to do it this way I've always oh done that you you can't teach you can't teach an old dog new tricks you name it, it I've
1: You're my best you, tech you, guy Scott
0: <laughs> I'm sorry
1: You're my best tech guy so that stuff's crap
0: <laughs> well, it, it, and yeah, I mean, it, you know, come on, folks, I'm I'm in my 60s, and I can't wait for new technology. I'm telling you, it's learnable, it's becoming more accessible, um, and the, the question that I have for you to start pondering is, what are you using for excuses versus what are you using to move yourself forward? Again, it ties right in with what we're going to talk about today. Michelle, did, I mean, and I know I'm getting rather transparent and personal here, but
1: I like that. That's what we're but, here for. you, you
0: but you <laughs> and I both expe- you and I have both been pretty raw and open with each other mm-hmm. when we're off air and we talk about mm-hmm. things and that's what <laughs> helps us lead to shows.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Have you ever experienced an imposter syndrome and how did you get out of it?
1: Oh uh, yes. so uh, historically, I have found myself in positions from a young age where I'm expected to be older than I am. And and retrospectively, I now realize that I've had to go back and become younger and explore more fun and play. And I'm one of those souls that gets younger the older I get, because when I was young, my father was a pastor. So I was constantly around adults who were judging whether or not he was good enough to keep his job. And they would judge based off of my behavior, my mom's behavior, my brother's behavior. So it'd have to be in all these adult situations when they would socialize with parishioners, et cetera. Then you stick me in school and that skill set led me to be a little bit of a leader. And I got on student government and I would often be class representative. And then as a teenager out representing my school, on student boards and, and at the school board district. I mean, most teenagers don't even know what a school board is, let alone who's in charge of their right. school district. And that just kept happening. I was a student rep on our high school accreditation. Um, it, it just over and over in my life. And whenever you find yourself in a situation where you have less skills than maybe the people around you, it's a natural predictor that imposter syndrome is gonna, going to pop up. But I would say that sometime, maybe 20 years ago or so, or 15 years ago, I read that imposter syndrome is a scientific principle that basically says you only get imposter syndrome when you're enough of an expert or you have enough knowledge to realize you don't know it all. And so now for my clients, this is, this is something we've been talking about as people are going back into the world or getting new promotions or starting new businesses, or I don't know, whatever they're doing. And imposter syndrome comes up in usually the workforce, not typically your personal life, but in the workforce. And I will say to them, that's amazing because if you have imposter syndrome, it'll make you hungry and humble which are two key components of most most employers want a hungry, humble person. Even in your personal life, if you stay hungry to learn about the other person, to be the best partner in your personal life, to be the best mom or dad in your personal life, if you stay hungry and humble, you'll keep learning. It's the other syndrome that I will remember, I'll look up the name when I mute myself, but it, it means that you know a little bit about something and you assume you're an expert. And that Oh, you a, know
0: just enough to, my, I love my clients who are, they know just enough to be dangerous.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, and they, and they believe, and this is kind of behind some conspiracy theory stuff, um, and it's kind of like where you get in, you, you believe you know everything about a subject. I, I know the most about something, you know, trust me, If you run into somebody you're hiring or working with or dating or whatever, you don't want someone to be like, I know the most about something. Find an expert that says, yeah, I know a lot about this and I'm comfortable with this and I'm constantly learning. Like that's a good syndrome to be with. So I'll find you that syndrome, but it's a scientific principle. And it's a by the way there's a there, healthy
0: <laughs> there, there's you know just a few things and then we'll jump right in because we've got a big topic today um, but but <laughs> three things jump out at me um, mm-hmm. first of all there's a great book if people have not read it uh, that you might enjoy if you meet the Buddha on the road kill him and it's <laughs> it's an it's it's a it, it's a, actually a story Um about exactly what you're talking about, Michelle. What do you do when you meet somebody who knows everything about everything? What do you do if you meet someone who says, I'm the Buddha, right? So that's, that's, I'm not gonna tell you what the rest of the book is. Uh,
1: Well, I would say by the title, you kill them, but don't commit murder, please. That's not over-suggesting in terms of keeping your shit together.
0: I believe it was, I believe believe it's metaphorical. (laughs) Metaphorical, metaphorical,
1: but question that person that's saying they're an expert. Yeah. question. Yeah.
0: And, and then the next thing it's, and it kind of ties in with, with all of that. I'm listening to Michelle talk about expecting to be older and, you know, I'm the oldest in my family. And so it was like, you should know better. You're the oldest, etc. So we've got a granddaughter and I love Parker. Um, she is just, you know, what can I tell you? She, she, uh, She and I have chats, she walks the labyrinth, she does her little yays around it, and she's three years old. And uh, a little while ago, we were chatting, and she kept saying, I wanna be like that, I wanna be like that, I wanna be like that. And I said, well, I bet you can't wait until you grow up. And she stopped. (laughs) And she said, I don't want to grow up, I want you to grow down.
1: (gasps) Oh, I love her.
0: Isn't what that a marvelous?
1: little soul! Yes. I don't want
0: to grow up. I want you to grow down. Yes. And yes. I think that all of us, all of us, could remember to play a little bit more.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, to so so maybe that will be our little theme for the week is everybody <laughs> ask yourself what do you need to do to grow down
1: yes yeah and maybe if you're on our keeping your shit together facebook group or community or you want to tag us in a post or something with keeping yst like tag us and let us know what are you going to do to play or grow down this week and get in oh. touch with your kiddo side i want to know that
0: yeah <laughs> fact, it, 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 it is
1: Scott, you, along this lines, in grief and loss, when I work with children, the number of children that were told, you're the man of the house now, when they're five or eight or 10, like the amount of stuff that packs on for a little kiddo is, and I was just watching The Stand, which is a a Stephen King remix of, you know, an 80s 80s book or something. And at one point, the father says, or... Uh, a man leader of the village is leaving town and he says to this little kid who's got to be eight or nine or 10. He's like, you know, now you're in charge now is what he says to this little kid. And I, I looked at Brian and I said, why do people do that to kids? Like they don't need yeah. to be in charge when they're eight or nine or 10. So, so
0: I, 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 I've got to tell you, if anybody wants a super tip for growing down, and that means helping with your imposter syndrome. I can give it to you. I want you to go get some popcorn and get some butter on it. I okay. want you to get your favorite beverage. Okay. And I want you guys to make a movie night and I want you to watch the movie or re watch the movie Hook, H O O K. Okay. And it is with uh, one of my favorite people robin williams and um you know at some point maybe during our show not to, not today michelle i'll tell you a robin williams story um <laughs> and why i'm enamored with him and uh, it is the story of peter pan having grown up now remember what peter pan was peter pan was the lost boys leader mm-hmm. who said i won't grow up i'll always be a kid well, Peter Pan has grown up, I'm not ruining it for you. Peter Pan has grown up to be a lawyer. Oh God, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. And he's forgotten that he's Peter Pan. And he now has kids.
1: Uh huh.
0: And he's going back to visit his godmother, Wendy Darling. I'm just gonna leave you the premise of the movie. And he's flying on the plane and one of his kids is acting out on the plane because Peter has forgotten to play. Um, it's bothering him that the kid is doing this. And at one point, again, think of this as Peter Pan saying mm-hmm. to his son, "Stop acting like a child."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and and his son looks at him and says, "But I am a child.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so it, it is you will find so many, If you are in the imposter syndrome, you will find so, so many Mm -hmm. uh, lessons in this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you love the movie, by the way, the book is even better Um, Mm -hmm. uh, because at one point, one of the lost boys is looking at Peter. And those of you Mm -hmm. who are listening in, I've got this frown on my face. Mm -hmm. And one of the lost boys reaches over and puts a finger on either side of Peter's mouth Mm -hmm. and raises it up.
1: (laughs) To make it smile. To make
0: it into a grin, and the lost boy looks at Peter and says, oh, Peter, there you are.
1: Oh, wow.
0: It is just a for anybody who is going through an imposter syndrome. Wow. Absolutely, you will see the character arc, and you will find takeaways from this. Wow. So with that, oh, go ahead. I
1: found the name. It's called Dunning-Kruger effect, D-U-N-N-I-N-G hyphen Kruger, K-R-U-G-E-R effect. And it's a cognitive bias in which unskilled people make poor decisions and reach erroneous conclusions, but their incompetence denies them the ability to recognize their mistake. So you know a little bit and you make decisions based off of that thinking you know it all. And that is the syndrome we want to avoid see imposter syndrome as a gift.
0: And by the way, I got to tell you, just as a quick little anecdote or an annotation here, mm-hmm. uh, as an attorney, Michelle, I've made an entire career out of walking behind those people that you just described.
1: The Dunning-Kruger.
0: Because, the, because <laughs> that mentality is what created all the problems for them.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, so with that... All um, right. If, if, I think we can jump into uh, our, our topic for today which is mm-hmm. something Michelle you and I specialize in mm-hmm. and uh, I right off the top I, I do want to say if any of you want I mean this this is the topic that Michelle and I I think excel at. Uh, we do a lot of things but helping people with their mindset uh, is something that we both love to do because it's it's such a an immediate growth. Potential for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if Michelle, if people as they go through the show, if they find that they want to connect with you uh, individually, what's the best way to get a hold of you?
1: Um, my website and contact me form on my website, which is uh, postinternationalinc.com, is the best way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
0: then you can get me at thinkingmagically.com. Uh, and all the contact information is on there. And and mm-hmm. by the way, again, it, for those of you listening in, perhaps for the first time, uh, please, we we have a private Facebook group mm-hmm. of Keeping Your Shit Together community folks, and it's growing all the time. We'd love for you to join us there, where you can also reach out to us and get us. Um, so I wanted like to start the show today, Michelle, uh, mm-hmm. with a quote from one of my favorite people that Michelle knows, and that's, mm-hmm. um, William James, right? Mm-hmm. And William James uh, and I were born on the same day and month, but not same year. He, he preceded me <laughs> by, a, by a lot. <laughs> um, so it, he wrote a book called The Principles of Psychology, and it's from 1892. And I'm just going to read the quote to you. Wow. So, so we have the paradox of a man shamed to death because he is only the second pugilist or the second oarsman in the world, that he is able to beat the whole population of the globe minus one is nothing. He has pitted himself to beat that one. And as long as he doesn't do that, nothing else counts. And it's a very interesting uh, statement from William James, because he's actually the father of sports psychology, if you look into what he did. Um, It's an observation that our achievements, whether it's in sports, that certainly correlates to what we do in everyday life, that mm-hmm. our achievements matter less. Remember we talked about imposter syndrome, even. Mm-hmm. our achievements matter less than how we personally and subjectively view the achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in getting ready for today's show it was very interesting uh, when I came across uh, a, a A number of different observations that bronze medalists are actually happier than silver and gold medalists. Wow. Uh, What what is
1: the reasoning behind that?
0: The the reasoning is because of how they've achieved. Uh, And again, we've talked about, you know, we happen to have in our family uh, an an Olympic medalist, gold medalist, and uh, in swimming. And when you're defending a gold medal, or you're already on the top, that's a different mentality. That's a different mm. sports psychology mm. than someone who is who is, as Michelle put it, or Les Brown loves to say, "hungry." Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. are you hungry? Mm-hmm. Um, and and you've seen the difference. The bronze medalist is hungry. The bronze wow. medalist, and and that's not to say that you're not that you're not wanting the gold medal, that you're mm-hmm. not wanting the silver. It's mm-hmm. you're competing and it's the competition that's doing it. And so I'm going to actually, Michelle, turn this, uh, the, the the thrust of the next segment over to you. I've got certainly my ideas about how I use uh, NLP and some of these other things to, uh-huh. to work with sports, sports psychology and mindset mm-hmm. and that winning attitude. But why don't you start off with your take on it from a clinical and therapeutic standpoint?
1: Sure. So just a caveat, even though Scott and I do a lot of this work, again, we're not putting ourselves out there as the only expert. We're, we're not experts per se, but this is something that we like to do a lot of work in. <laughs> we're still hungry and humble and keep learning about it. But I will tell you back, it was back in the early 90s when I first started my sports psych journey under a professor at UCLA named Tara K. Scanlan, S-C-A-N-L-A-N. And she is a member of the social psychology department at UCLA. And that's where my interest in this field, like how do you, what's the difference between a zone-like or peak-like experience for an athlete versus athletes that never experience that. So I love studying about zone and how do we create zone or peak-like experiences in whatever career or, you know, even hobby that we want to experience. So I would say first we should probably define what a zone-like experience is. Like Scott, have you ever personally experienced where you are in the zone and how would you explain what that feels like?
0: Um, yeah, it, it's, it's <laughs> also called the, it's also called flow, flow. by the way, mm-hmm. when, when you study this kind of thing. Um, but I can tell you, my wife calls it bipping out uh-huh. or, or, or she'll say, where did you go? Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. so, exactly. and, and it is, and in the best way I can describe it is intense focus and immersion uh-huh in everything. It's like nothing else exists. You're in your own little bubble. And I, I, again, life is complete. There is nothing else. I have experienced the, the, I've experienced the flow in meditation. Mm -hmm. I've experienced the flow walking a labyrinth. I've Mm -hmm. experienced the flow playing with my granddaughter. Mm -hmm. I have experienced the flow, uh, in romantic situations mm-hmm. it's bringing full attention to what mm-hmm. you're doing mm-hmm. um and i can tell you right now when i'm not in flow right is when i'm trying to multitask
1: right right and i would say probably my experiences of being in flow or the zone or a peak performance happens less often in a day or a week than being out So that's the hard part is once you've experienced it, you kind of want to have that feeling regularly. Yeah, you do. And because for me, time sort of slows down and all the answers come when you need them. Physically, you don't make a mistake. Think about a basketball player that is just swishing the ball shot after shot after shot. Think about the person in the batting cages hitting a home run over and over again just contacting the ball think about when when i'm with my clients as a marriage and family therapist i'm totally in tune with them i almost lose track of my own bodily functions like i forget to pee i forget to that i'm thirsty i forget you know and if i have too many sessions in a row where i'm in a zone like i i will that's not good for my body. So, you know, you kind of have to purposely break to go, oh yeah, that's right. You're a human body and you need to go to the bathroom and get water, um, and eat your lunch. So, so, you know, we don't necessarily want to stay in a peak or flow all day long, right? Because you can really lose track of other things, but it is a really peaceful place where you just, it's like all the cells in your body are lined up and everything you need is at your fingertips almost. Um, So that's where I first learned about it. And then uh, Professor Scanlon would take us through the difference between a highly functioning professional athlete who wins and even a professional athlete who competes but doesn't have as good of a winning record is all about guided imagery, visualization, yep. and peak performance. And we went on this journey of the research talks about the bell-shaped curve of achievement or attention is that you are anxious enough or awake enough or alert enough that your skin is in the game, that you're aware, that you're, you're present, you're not spacey, you're attuned, but not so high of an anxiety that you get into overwhelm, difficulty concentrating spacing out flooding all of that stuff so there really is a peak bell shaped curve in terms of performance in any yeah way.
0: now by 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 the way i learned this as bpt biological peak time oh. and everybody's is different
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and it, i don't know if you remember i'm, I'm old enough to remember the, the little dials that you, these little devices that you would do, and it would tell you your peak times for energy yeah. and emotion. Oh, there's, there were all these wonderful, yeah. I, I should find it at some point. Yes. And you would dial in your birth date and how old you were, and it would basically create your peak times for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you can supplement that, obviously, with uh, coffee, uh, coffee or, caffeine. you know, ca- 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 caffeine is no, is known for that. It um, is. so again, but I didn't want it I didn't, we'll
1: get you jittery, right? Mm-hmm. It's
0: a biological peak time, not a biological chronic. You don't want a chronic no. always on time because that no. is everything, everything in moderation.
1: Yes. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because uh, like, for example, I have learned that first thing in the morning is not my peak time, no matter what what? Like I, if I, if I need to wake up <laughs> and do a lecture or a performance or see a client at, let's say seven in the morning, I better get my butt awake at five o'clock and prep for about two hours because really my natural body is it peaks at around 10, 11 in the morning. So in America, where it's classic to work eight 30 to five or nine to five or whatever, I used to say, wow, they get the worst of me <laughs> for at least the first few hours of my workday where I think I was interacting with Brian recently. And he said, you're saying a lot of okays or one word answers. And I said, it's because it's eight 30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, no. and, and, and so by, by the way, this brings up, them. <laughs> and this brings up, a good, and by the way, it's called biorhythms, now that you say that. Yes, bio um, it, They're biorhythm <laughs> bio calculators. Um, I, the, as you say that, Michelle, one of the things that I also no, notice myself, because I work a lot with flow and the zone, it's not something you force; Mm-mm. it's something that happens. Mm-hmm. And so, this is why what Michelle is saying is so important. And I'll tell you one of my secrets a little bit later of mm-hmm. getting into flow. Mm-hmm. But it's knowing where your flow state is. Mornings are my prime time. I yeah. mean, literally, I'll open my eyes, jump out of bed, and I'm ready to go. That's
1: amazing because I've got
0: I've got all these downloads that I do at night. Um, I program my my brain to download stuff. I wake exactly. up and it's like shit. Just let it get out. I have a pad of paper. I need That's to write amazing. all this shit down. Um, Michelle doesn't work that no. way, no, no, uh, and no. and I can and I can tell you we have a working <laughs> relationship. Carol, my wife and I have a working relationship. Uh, yeah. It's very simple. I'm learning not to talk in the morning because I she is not a morning person. Mm-hmm.
1: I love Carol. But Caroline. I start
0: to. <laughs> but by the way, I start to crash at night. And she's yes. a night person yes. and I can, can, feel, can feel, feel my I can feel literally everything going to shut down. Ooh. And when my body says when my body says it's time to sleep or there's stress and that's the other thing that will yes. stand in the way of your peak performance is distraction mm-hmm. or stress. My body shuts down and says sleep. That's how I <laughs> respond to it. Certainly you don't want to will your way into a peak state because it will be fake.
1: Right, right. So you know that's usually, let's say, I don't have control over my schedule, and I'm on the West Coast, and I have, um, you know, a morning performance or morning talk or something like that, and it's at seven in the morning my time because it's ten a.m. East Coast time or something like that. I I have to get up. It's it's harder. I usually find I have to get up. I have to shower. I kind of get my body awake. I have to caffeinate. Mm-hmm. It's not my natural peak state. And it's harder to reach flow than when I can control my schedule for those peak performance moments, especially like, let's say I'm going to be on stage and give a talk in front of a large number of people, which triggers my my um, public speaking fears. And I've had to work hard. Ideally, I want to do around 10 or 11 in the morning. Is kind of my ideal timeframe, but sometimes you can't choose that, and you've got to fit in the slot wherever you're given the slot, or you you know, you've got to perform earlier. So I would say know know your body and as much as possible. If you want peak, set yourself up for success, and then Dr. Scamlin would say also visualize guided imagery slash hypnosis slash visualization is a huge part of a winning athlete. Versus um, a successful athlete that doesn't have a good, like I think about Tom Brady. Like, yeah. why is Tom Brady one of the oldest quarterbacks in the United States? He's he ships teams to a losing team and he still wins the Super Bowl. My guess is, I have no idea what his routine is, but my guess is winning and seeing the field is so much a part, and flow is so much a part of his skill set that he easily fixes right into it. And so that can be, let's say you you are able to visualize the space in which you're going to have to work and you can go ahead of time and visualize, oh, uh, Dr. Scanlon worked, I well, she talked about Tiger Woods at the time, but I don't know if she actually worked with him, but he would have a guided imagery where he would visualize the hole in one. He would have a picture yeah. of that particular challenge and he would visualize the golf ball going where he wanted it to go and so this is true if we visualize where our end result is where we want to go it helps us achieve better results i'm a terrible bowler i'm a terrible frisbee golfer but if i at all get anywhere close to the skill level at which i play it is because of guided imagery and visualization while I'm out there.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, we, we've heard before, by the way, and, and I don't know that I buy completely into it, but we've heard before that the, the brain, the subconscious, yes. the part that actually helps us imagine, cannot tell the difference between something imagined and real. Right. Now, I think, I think that that is actually a little too general because unless mm-hmm. unless you're psychotic um, and I'm not making a diagnosis <laughs> but unless you're psychotic you can tell the difference between real and fantasy <laughs> right so. you wake you wake up and you know you've had a dream or the dream was so freaking real that you begin to wonder right or mm-hmm. but throughout the day you do know what between the difference between real and imagined mm-hmm. however in developing automatic responses to develop mm-hmm. Uh, what I call unconscious competence to visualize the whole in one okay. does does go through and actually th- the body fires in all of its different places in mm-hmm. all of its automatic, habitual programmed way all of these things um, and you know one of the things that I studied early on uh, that I used with some of the coaching clients that I have uh, came out of Russia uh, I don't pretend to have I I don't imagine that I invented it. However, I've extended on it. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: it was a fascinating thing that they used to do in in Russia called uh, artificial reincarnation. Oh, wow. And it was used specifically for peak performance uh, in various things. And I want you to imagine, presume for a moment that uh, past lives exist. So let's just presume that for a minute. You don't have to believe it. We're making we're doing a make believe game. Imagine that in a prior life, you were an award winning, acclaimed concert pianist. Mm. And imagine for a minute that all of that skill set from that prior life has carried through to your present life.
1: Fascinating.
0: And what you're doing now is relearning, not learning. Yeah. That in fact, you're saying, I've already done this. I, I now intend to put this into play. And so what they would do is they took a number of people and used hypnosis mm-hmm. uh, to regress them to a fake prior life. Wow! And they had them go through and they actually had them visualize being a concert pianist, for example. And when they came out, now, this is not to say that you would take a past life as a concert pianist and sit someone down in front of the piano that has never seen one before. And suddenly right. they play like Mozart. Um, right. they, they didn't <laughs> go that far. What they did say was imagine being able to take that skill set and you do know how to play the piano somewhat and you mm-hmm. sit down. Does it take your skill level to the next level? Now mm-hmm. I've done this with myself, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can tell you firsthand that taking that kind of guided imagery or as Einstein might call it a thought experiment, Mm -hmm. take that Mm -hmm. and say, what if, what Mm -hmm. if I was a concert pianist? Mm -hmm. What would that feel like, look like, how would Mm -hmm. I act? Mm -hmm. Uh, And by the way, this ties in Michelle was something you're very familiar with, with cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy, Mm -hmm. you know, that I think I feel I act is a component of CBT Mm -hmm. and so how would I think, feel, and act as a professional golf mm-hmm. pro, as mm-hmm. a race car driver, as mm-hmm. a, an Olympic gold medalist?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and you immerse yourself in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, 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 I think that you will notice the difference in your body and then watch right. the flow state that happens right. as a result of it. We right. are not, and here, here's the difference, we are not all gonna be Michael Jordan. No. First of all, I'm not tall enough. But the, the, you know, so we we do know the difference between reality and fantasy. Yes. I can say that I want to play on, you know, the Lakers and be their top center, right. that's not real.
1: Right.
0: Okay, that's not what that's not what I have found gold medal mindset performers, warriors, you know, the elite troops. That's not what they're doing. They're saying, Mm -hmm. what's real? What do I want to achieve? Mm -hmm. And then they're using these techniques that Michelle and I are chatting about to get the flow, to get them to the desired outcome that I I hate to use the word reasonable, by the way, because I am constantly telling people, I want you to be unreasonable. Give me me the wouldn't it be nice if, Uh but again, it's not reasonable for me. Right. My head isn't going, my, my subconscious is not going to accept it as true right. to say uh, tomorrow morning, I'm going to fly to Mars and look for alien life forms. I will be right. accepted into the Chinese space Corps, right. And that's my goal for next week. That's not even reasonable. My head right. will discern that it's false. Right. And so by the same token, I could very well drive a race car in a month. Yes hey, I might not win but I could certainly do it. Sure, um, you could. So I I hate to say be reasonable in your goals because I don't want you I want you to to <laughs> grasp for these it. what we've called mm-hmm. bi- we you know the big hairy audacious goal concept. I want exactly. you to keep pushing yourself. However, don't push yourself to the point where it's it's not going to be accepted by your subconscious mm-hmm. which in turn mm-hmm. runs your mm-hmm. uh, automatic Responses inside and create mm-hmm. those those rituals that you do.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I wish with this topic particularly that we knew specifically what our keeping your shit together community are going through. Are they lining up for job interviews? Do they have a big test or a licensing exam coming forward? Because Scott, I don't know what's on your agenda for today, but I just realized I would love you to make time to talk about the zipper technique if that's what you call it, I don't know, but I, I have successfully helped my clients who are studying to pass medical boards, the, um, the bar exam for lawyers, um, mm-hmm. the licensing exam for therapists and social workers, the SAT, and let me see what else. Oh, oh, uh, acting gigs, uh, going up for auditions. I've successfully helped clients use that zip- zipper technique as a part of helping them with performance anxiety and achievement. Um, so, you know, I'd love you to talk about that a little bit.
0: <laughs> oh, sure. We, we, it is, is, we can do it right now if you'd like. Yeah, uh, I would. Now, mm-hmm. w- one thing I want to preface before mm-hmm. I use this technique, uh, and it, uh, it's kind of a variation of a neurolinguistic linguistic programming uh, skill that I was taught. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I use it constantly. I've used this, by the way, with uh, politicians getting ready to do their thing. Yes. Uh, I've used this. I've used this with with sports people. And again, I've used it myself. Yeah. I, I do want to preface, there. there is one little thing in here yes. that will take this to the next level. And that is something that, Michelle, you and I have chatted about. And in fact, even in our home retreat, uh, segment we talked Mm -hmm. i talked about it and that's the power of music and Mm -hmm. i learned this uh, from some of the world-class volleyball folks uh who i i wish i had come up with the name but i created a playlist on my uh ipod i still use an ipod separate from my phone Ah. uh it's called the hunt Mm -hmm. and it is nothing but music that is designed to get me in that flow state instantly and I have one particular song uh, that will do it every time. And oh. you know, I, mean, I just click on it. And the minute I start hearing that, I know <laughs> I'm there, time. right? I'm in peak. <laughs> I'm in flow. I'm, yes. in, I'm in the state that I need to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can, you know, if, if you're interested in that, again, we went into that in our home retreat, but you can certainly ask us in our uh, Facebook group and we'd love to do that. Maybe we could do a whole nother show yeah. Michelle, on, on the power of music. But uh-huh. um, that, that's how I preface this. So the technique is very simple. And this goes back to actually, again, something we talked about mm-hmm. in one of our episodes, but again, in the home retreat, and that is your cabinet of advisors. Yeah. And if you've got something that you want. So let's just assume you're you're playing golf. And here's why I go back. I loop it back to the bronze medalist versus the gold medalist Uh uh-huh if a bronze medalist is imagining that they're you know i'm using a bronze medalist type person i don't play golf so i may use the terminology wrong so i I might too (laughs) but if a bronze if a bronze medal type golfer wants to peak perform in a golf tournament they would say i want to be tiger woods yeah i don't know who tiger woods says I want to be, right. you know, maybe his dad, maybe there is somebody, or maybe there's this make believe mentor that he's got. But mm-hmm. that's why I was saying there's a difference between defending your title and being yeah. hungry. Right. Um And so mm-hmm. with well, the first thing you want to do, particularly for those of you who have stage fright, for those of you who have... Yes performance anxiety for those of you looking for a job or now reaching out through Zoom, you hate to be on camera.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Can you imagine somebody that you'd like to see doing exactly what it is that you're about to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I again, I use this a lot, particularly with uh, females who are in a, a profession where yes. they have to present themselves. And for a number of reasons, they've learned and agreed that that's not them, that they feel completely inauthentic Mm -hmm. in the role of teaching online. Forget that Mm -hmm. they're good, Mm -hmm. but online with a camera in front of them, Mm -hmm. they freak out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's very real today because Zoom is actually here to stay. These types of online presentations, whether Uh. it's zoom or Microsoft teams, or, you know, now we've got uh, kinds of new stuff out there, right? You've got to get used to it. This this is, this is a necessity for you to, to maintain, if not progress at your job. And so the thing I ask is who would you love to see doing Mm -hmm. exactly what you're about to do? And Mm -hmm. a great many, by the way, of the people that I work with tell me, I would love to see Oprah Winfrey or Michelle Obama do what I'm about to do. Yeah. I would uh-huh. I can imagine I can imagine them doing this. So that's just an example. Mm-hmm. Um why? Because they have that public persona, mm-hmm. that confidence, that uh-huh. uh we call it an X factor in Hollywood, right? They've mm-hmm. got that it factor mm-hmm. that you want to get across, that ability to connect with an audience and right. say, I'm looking into your soul and I want to connect heart to heart. Can you feel that right? right. right. And so then once you have your your Person, person, whoever it is, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it can literally be anybody.
1: Uh, I can like, f- I, I, for example, I'll give you a couple other things. My act, one of my actors that I helped it for her, it was Meryl Streep and for my person taking the bar, it was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So just like, think about who, who is in a similar field to what it is you're about to do. That's kind of an icon or a real success. Yeah. And they would be a perfect person as an example.
0: Uh, yeah, very much so. And so the the idea is, unlike the cabinet of advisors that Michelle, you and I spent a lot of time on in the home retreat, uh, mm-hmm. unlike the cabinet of advisors, this you don't have to know a lot about them. You simply need to know this is the way they present themselves mm-hmm. in a performance. This is the in a performance. This is the way they act out. Right. This is the way they do shit, right? It's not, it's not keeping their shit together. This is the way they do shit. Uh, and that's what you want to emulate. You want the performance to, to emulate that. And so you take a moment, you've done your power song, you sit down and you visualize them standing in front of you. And you can, you don't have to, but you know, depending on how much time you have, you can now visualize them making the presentation making the Mm -hmm. golf shot, you know, they can, they can think about all these things. uh, You can think about all these things that they would do that you want to do as well. Then very simply, you imagine, now they're standing in front of you. You imagine them standing still. uh, And then you walk behind them Mm
1: -hmm. and you
0: pretend there's a zipper on the back of them Mm -hmm. and you unzip you (laughs) unzip from the top of their head down to the base of their spine Uh and you step into them Mm -hmm. and you put them on and you imagine what that feels like you imagine how that sensation is what is it like to be them um alicia's holding up a nice sign thank you alicia um and (laughs) <laughs> then you zip it up. That's the important thing. You have to zip it back up
1: mm-hmm. and you
0: are now wearing them. Uh, this isn't invasion of the body snatchers. You're, you're not, you know, you're not literally suddenly taking away that. your own personality. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: This is, this is however you adopting and adapting to yeah. your mentor.
1: Yeah.
0: And so here's what I do when I work a lot with public speakers uh, on confidence, either on camera or live, and that is tell me who they are. So let's assume it's Oprah Winfrey. Mm-hmm. I I have them come out in front of an audience because we usually do training in front of groups. They do their thing. Mm-hmm. And then I, they walk away. I walk through this exercise with them. And then I say, now, imagine you're Oprah Winfrey, mm-hmm. step into her, zip up. Now come out and do it as Oprah Winfrey. Mm-hmm. And and literally in 10 minutes, the performance, the technique, the body language yes. is absolutely freaking amazing. Yeah, uh, that's,
1: that's what I and, noticed first when I've used this is how someone's posture and stance, like my client who used the Meryl Streep, she just started to glide across the room with grace and my person that had um ruth bader ginsburg she had this quiet confidence that just took over her little stature body it was amazing
0: i i I will tell you and again i know we're running out of time here this may turn into another episode um (laughs) It, it doesn't. So Alicia has asked the question, what if the person you imagine to be isn't a real person? Oh,
1: do, you know, Batman. Do, you know,
0: do you know how many times I've channeled Batman, Alicia, walking into a courtroom?
1: <laughs> He's Batman.
0: <laughs> okay. It, it, it's the, the reality. Again, your subconscious doesn't tell the entire difference mm-hmm. between what's imagined and what's real. Um, and so, yes, oh, Wonder Woman, one of the best, <laughs> one of the best things that you can do since you brought up superheroes is imagine if you were a superhero, wait, wait, so Alicia is putting her hand up.
1: Yeah, she- <laughs> what, is, what
0: is the pose that your superhero would do? And that becomes a physical anchor for you. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Alicia, imagine walking into any situation and you do that. And if you'll do that for 30 seconds, <laughs> I guarantee that you'll have a different response mm-hmm. than you would have had you not anchored that physicality right. to this. Um, right. Now, the, the 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 cool part about all this is again go back to you can start anchoring not only the physical stance but a, a, a you know some finger triggers. You can even anchor the song to this zipper. So that you don't have to go through it every single time. Literally, uh-huh. all you have to do is go through this ah. mind exercise, and say, you know, I'm linking this song to that flow. I'm linking. I'm linking this stance to that performance. Mm-hmm. And so you, once you do this in, you know, private, you bypass it in public. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to tell one quick story because I'm looking at the time here. Uh, in one of my I life. Know. One of my live perform live events, I had a, a young man walk in late and he, he he did what everybody does at that age or even older. He came in at the and he noticed that everybody, this huge auditorium of people and he tried to be invisible right and he he just kind of like became Shrinked small <laughs> and you don't you don't see me right? right right now. I'm, uh, I'm at the front. It's like I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a magician. I see, <laughs> I see you. Okay? You know, other people may see dead people, I see invisible people. I see invisible and people. <laughs> not... And I actually called him up to the front. I said, "Stop. I don't know who you are, but you've come in late. Come up here for a minute." And he became even smaller. He shrunk the shoulders down and the head dropped, and he just kind of like, you know, uh-huh. slinked up to the stage. And I, we talked for a minute, and I said, uh Where did you learn to walk into a room like that? Uh huh. And we talked to the audience, and he said, This is where I learned to do this. And I won't get into the personal details. And I said, What would your dad say if he saw you walk into the room like this?
1: Yeah.
0: And you could see suddenly a pause. And that was just one of those intuitive things where I knew, right? It was a, it was. He needed to. What would someone that he looks up to say to him? We went and I did exactly the zipper thing to him.
1: Uh-huh. I asked
0: him, Who is your role model? Who do you want to be? And he actually did say his dad, by the way.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: privately, I said, I want you to imagine your dad step into him and now do that again.
1: Rewalk into you to the leave room like and your dad. Leave.
0: <laughs> And come back in and the mm-hmm. kid came back in his head was high it was like a string had been pulling him uh-huh. from from literally the top of his head up to uh the heavens he walked in and he sat down and the entire room erupted in applause yeah after the event was over he waited in line uh to to talk to me and he came up after privately and he said oh. i just want to thank you yeah i said for what he says, you taught me one of the most important lessons I could ever learn. And I said, really, what was that? And he says, you taught me that how I walk through life matters.
1: Oh. Wow.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, and I've got to tell you, it if does. you get nothing else out, if you get nothing else out of the show today, uh-huh. one of the best things that I can at least pass on to you is that how you walk through life matters yeah because that will affect your performance
1: absolutely i um i 100 agree and as you were talking about this like i said i wish we know what our community was going through i imagine for our us-based committee if there's any unemployment going on or gig-like stuff going on that that job interview or you know, presenting your case in front of the board or whatever that is, is going on. And some of the other tips that go along with Scott's watch how you walk through life is think about when you're sitting for a job interview, you're in this new building, you're usually in the waiting room, people are walking by, you can kind of shrink down and become that invisible person. And what you need to do is the opposite, pull those shoulders back, go in the bathroom raise your arms up, make your body big as if you were scaring off a bear, take up space and then go back in and sit in that lobby so that you don't know who's walking by in that lobby while you're waiting for your job interview and they're checking out your body. Or if it's on Zoom, do it at home before you start your camera so you take up space and can be seen and heard that That is one of the biggest tips I can take I can give any of you that are in that job hunting about to do something like own your own space, none of the shrinking shoulders forward and making yourself small make yourself big. You know, in your stance, whatever that is. I
0: can't tell you how important that is. Maybe we can end the show on this as a a little thing, because there's so much here for peak performance. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I always ask, uh, particularly my politicians, uh, but people who are making very important presentations, not that they all aren't, but very important ones is to imagine a totem animal who brings you courage. Yeah more importantly who brings you confidence but let's just deal with courage right now so it's a lion right you think of wizard of oz um and i want you to imagine what that totem animal Mm -hmm. whether it's a dragon like i have here in the back or it's a lion or it's a tiger or it's a jaguar it doesn't matter what it is imagine them looking out at the audience imagine you again zipper effect you've stepped in and here's the little secret you are this animal this predator looking out. I don't want you to be a predator, but this this predator looking out. And here's the thing that goes through your head. Please don't say it out loud. Here's no. what goes through your head. I own you.
1: Wow.
0: I own you.
1: <laughs> and oh. that's a
0: competitive mindset very similar to I got this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I just freaking know in my soul, mm-hmm. I got this. Uh-huh. So again, for for presentations, because that's a lot of the stuff that I work with with people, yeah. it's, I own you. Yeah. I don't just have this. Uh-huh. You're mine.
1: <laughs> You're mine. <laughs> for at least, <laughs> Smurf, yeah. Alicia, I love her notes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even if it's for that interview or for that moment, like you own their time, their attention, their space, It's okay for it to be about you without without coming across cocky. We're not talking about that. You still want to be hungry and humble in these situations because nobody really enjoys a cocky person, but they do enjoy a confident person. And your audience, like whether it's a teacher sitting and learning from you or nurses sitting and learning from me or whatever it is, or it's job interview people. They want to enjoy their time too. Yeah, They want to meet a competent person too that fulfills their need. So it's okay to visualize yourself as that person.
0: And, and by the way, the, the Tim McGraw song is humble and kind. That, that You bring that to it, right? You want to be humble. You want to be kind. Mm-hmm. I want you to be confident, not courageous. Those are two different yeah. things. Okay. How confident is you acting on the world? courageous is you putting up with the world okay we're not putting up with things okay your your mentor your totem animal they don't put up with things they're in the world they know it they're grounded and so tiger woods i presume going back to your thing michelle (laughs) you know tiger woods knows his place in the world we all have insecurities we all have the imposter syndrome he knows who he is he's tiger woods Right. And I'll leave it with this again for t- t- I still love Gordon Ramsay, and I still love the interview I, I read with him. The inter- interviewer is going through, asking all these questions, and Gordon Ramsay finally stops and says, "Wait a minute, I'm the real fucking deal." <laughs> and that's uh, where that's cool. where I want all of you. I want you to be at home with you're yeah. the real fucking deal.
1: Yeah, I love it. That's right. <laughs> good place to end, Scott. I love it. This was a fun topic. I hope people it was. listening um, really took away some good tools for today, and can apply this in a real way. Be it a job interview, a first date, a, that meeting new people at a social event, a Zoom call, whatever that is. I hope you can apply some of these techniques
0: absolutely well thank thank you all for being with us today here's to all of you becoming the real fucking deal um and uh with that peace Peace. bye-bye you've reached the end of another episode of keeping your together in a stressed world with michelle post and scott grossberg if you like our show we'd love for you to subscribe rate our broadcast and leave a review The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.